the hosts of Fang Theory are not experts in any of the subjects discussed, and nothing they say should be taken as advice or expertise. Fang Theory is not affiliated with Summit Entertainment, Little Brown and Company, or anything to do with the Twilight franchise. We are merely fans, here to have some fun and apply vigorous amateur research to the world of our favorite vamps. Welcome to Fang Theory. I'm Paige. And I'm Hannah. And today we are talking about breath. Every and breath you smelling. take. And... <laughs> no, I was good. That was gonna be a surprise. Oh. It was a twist. Oh. You wanna try again? <laughs> I'm not sure if it's worth it. <laughs> no, it is, it is. <laughs> Does it actually matter if it's a surprise? No. But you should still sing your song. Sing I, your silly little song. I don't remember how the tune goes, but there is one where it goes, every, every breath, breath I take. Every no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> that's not it at all. It was like an eighty song. I'll be watching. <laughs> Wait, yeah. What are you thinking of? Yeah, but that's the right song. But you said it crazy. <laughs> every step you take, I'll oh, be that's watching closer. you. That's closer. Uh, we also have Taylor. I can't breathe with or without you. Because <laughs> I'm a vampire. What? With or without you is a U2 song. <gasps> We're really... With or without you. We're really crossing all the barriers today. We, we really music. are. Mm-hmm. The occasion for talking about breathing is that vampires don't. They surely don't. They don't need to. Yeah. And this was very troubling to Bella, and it was equally troubling, I think, to us. Oh, I'm extremely troubled by it. They have noses, so they have mouths. I wish they would use them. So this comes up in in Breaking Dawn Part 2, but it comes up first, actually, in Twilight the Book. Okay. So in Twilight the Book, Edward is explaining to Bella how Carlisle came to be the, like, vampire father figure that he is today. The vamp vampire daddy? daddy, if you will. <laughs> I hate that we did that this time. <laughs> it's terrible. Listen, listen, Carlisle is a lot of things, but first and foremost, he is daddy. <laughs> okay, so we're getting Carlisle's origin story. Uh, he had a rough go of it at the beginning. Oh, and we're, we don't have to get into all of this right now. I'm sure it'll come up later. But he was the son of a vampire hunter. <laughs> oh, that's that's no good. That is no good. I mean, Edward kind of politely says that Carlisle's dad was, was basically an idiot. And he wasn't very good at, at capturing actual vampires. He just basically burned a lot of regular people. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, he was I, just know, a human hunter? It was 1600s London. I mean, 
Oh, okay. So, like, everyone was just kind of burning people. Everyone was just kind of burning people. I mean, there's no reason to exclude America. America was also just burning people. Mm-hmm. But in 1600s London, uh, Carlisle's dad was a vampire hunter. And at some point, Carlisle kind of took over the family business as a... Uh... Well, that obviously didn't turn out great. No, the problem is Carlisle's actually smart, so he found real vampires. Oh, no. <laughs> He was too good. He was at too his good. Job. Oh and, no. Uh, Carlisle went and he found this den of real vampires, or at least a real vampire. I don't remember how many there were exactly. I don't like that. Like a group of vampires is a den. Oh, I meant a group of vampires is a coven. Oh, but I've definitely heard den as well. But I, I meant den in terms of they were they were in a cave like place. <laughs> like so they were in a literal den. So I'm talking more like. A crow nest, not a murder of crows. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, okay. So he finds at least one vampire, and the vampire is going to kill him, but right when Carlisle arrives and is bitten, all of Carlisle's vampire hunter groupies show up. And Carlisle speculates that this vampire must have been very weak because he he didn't feel like fighting all these people. He definitely could have. And so Carlisle was bitten and left for dead. And when he wakes up, he's a vampire at the very thing he was hunting. So he was left for undead. He was he was left for undead, unbeknownst to his fans and friends. <laughs> so Carlisle wakes up as a monster, and he's a monster hunter. So, yeah, Carlisle's in England, and he's swimming the channel. And at first, Edward's kind of a punk <laughs> about it. And so, I hate the visual. Bella's like... He swam the English Channel, and Edward's like, people swim the English Channel all the time, Bella, calm down. And then she's like, oh, you're just so good at everything. You know, because she's really swooning, and he's just so moody that he's like, well, you know, swimming's she was easy probably, for us. She was probably less like, he swam the English Channel, and was more like, he swam the English Channel? No, she's it's from her perspective, girl. She was shook. <laughs> Yeah, but she's so subdued. She's she's probably she's kind of sh- not in the books. Her shook is probably like she's he swam the English Channel. She's constantly mm. yelling in the books. She's always oh. shook by things. You know what? Me too, girly. Me too. Her favorite phrase, which I've never heard anybody else say in the entire world, is "Holy crow!" Holy crow! Yes, and I'm like. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say holy crow. Wait, that's amazing. Can we start saying that? I mean, we could. So Bella's like, oh my god, he swam the English Channel. That's so crazy. Holy crow. (laughs) And Edward's like, calm down. Swimming is easy for us. Because technically we don't need to breathe. And he's kind of hesitant about that. He he actually tells her at some point, he's like, I'm always waiting for the thing that's going to freak you out so much you're going to like run away screaming. Yeah, I just don't know why he thought breathing would be the thing and not like eating people's blood but well, she at this point has already seemed pretty chill with that because she's the one who guesses that he's vampires which he's vampires. yeah but he's a vampire. i just like why does he think that that's where she'll draw the line uh it's just breathing. weird well then it, the next line is you don't have to breathe i demanded so she's a little taken aback and then she, she will draw the line there <laughs> i mean i don't know i think that it definitely she was like, breathing is the last straw. I well, to, to, to be fair, I think it would have gone very differently if he was like, yeah, I murder people. Instead, he's like, I live on the blood of animals. That's I don't true. know. Is that that different from eating meat, really? If anything, he's no, actually... I mean, 
No, I mean, because, like, humans eat animal blood. Yeah, the the Brits. Yeah, and, like, many cultures. Edward is not into factory farming. He is targeting deer, I know, deer, he's extremely sustainable. <laughs> he he's extremely is. sustainable. Which is Wait, what except- makes this episode... Yes. Which is what makes this episode all the more shocking. Clickbait. Mm -hmm. Is Edward (laughs) really sustainable? Read on. Find out. So anyway, I'll spare you the rest of that quote, but that's the gist. Is in the first five, this is one of the things he tells her about vampires, is that they don't need to breathe. And I just told you the story about Carlisle, mainly because I think it's a good story. But throughout the series, vampires use this to their advantage because vampires have really good senses of smell. And so if a vampire wants to avoid being like found by another vampire, they'll go in the ocean. Paige, yeah. If I were a vampire, I would not bother with living on land. I if I were va- uh, quote, loose in the ocean. If I were a quote unquote vegetarian vampire, oh, right? No, what are you eating? I would just simply stay at the bottom of the ocean and feed on fish. I just wouldn't even. Vampire. I would be a pescatarian vampire. I would not come up, and I would not risk it. I would just literally live my life underwater. That seems terrible. Why does that seem terrible? I don't feel the cold, so it's not like I'm gonna get cold from the water. I have like basically an unlimited supply of food because who else is going down there? Wait, is that not a great idea? No, it's a terrible idea. You wouldn't get a talk to anyone else. As if I would want to. There's tons of vampires that are just all by their lonesome. Why would you want to be by yourself for literally eternity? Okay, well, what if I like grabbed a friend? And we learned sign language. Hannah, I'm not living under the ocean with you. <laughs> did I say you? I hope you meant me. <laughs> I did mean you. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I you wouldn't. Come on, that's a great idea. I there's no risk of being exposed to humans, so the Volturi would never get upset. I'm just vibing down there. We can hang out with Luca. We can hang out with Luca and Alberto. <laughs> Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. This is me to you saying Silencio Bruno. <laughs> okay, fair enough. If by some circumstance we both become vampires, I will try okay. living under the ocean with you. Okay, it's settled. We're living in the ocean. On a trial basis. On a trial. It's going to go great. You're going to okay. love it. So, um, most most important of examples of vampires using the water to escape detection victoria when the wolves are chasing her in new moon this is mm-hmm. where we get that scene in new moon where after bella jumps off the cliff mm-hmm. she sees victoria in the water that's because victoria was literally in the water that was yeah. a hallucination yeah uh arena does that in breaking dawn and alice also does this in breaking dawn although and that the new vampire army the, you're right the new vampire army in eclipse so there's loads of examples of that and it's because they don't need to breathe that like man in his beanie as he emerges from the water. I always die. Who Who is that beanie for? <laughs> what was the costume department thinking? They were like, this actor gets to have a wet and cold head. And the <laughs> vampire feels no difference because they don't feel temperature. <laughs> he literally, it's so camp. He literally just did it for the fashion. What is the fashion of a wet beanie? Who does that look good on? <laughs> He just liked the look. I guess. So I guess that brings us to how could it be that vampires don't need to breathe? Which, in order to answer that question, we need to know what happens when humans breathe. So the way you breathe is you got this whole respiratory system. You have a lot of holes in your body. 
I mean, you're right. But don't call specifically them Specifically your face. Is that what my ears are for? Yeah, your ears are actually for breathing. Your eye sockets are for breathing. Mm. Your nose is for tasting. Actually, your, <laughs> your nose mouth is, is for hearing. <laughs> well, your nose is a little bit for tasting. I mean, that's true. All these people out there with COVID who are like, I can't taste anything. Mm-hmm. That's, and then, yeah, that's your, why. Your mouth is for hearing. Yep, your mouth is for hearing. You heard it here first here, folks. Here. You heard, you heard, you heard it here first through your mouth. <laughs> Gross. Anyway, um, what would you do if I just took my headphones out and just plopped them in my mouth? <laughs> just. Mmm, <laughs> that, mm, that sound. Okay, well, as we alluded to, your respiratory system begins at your face with your windpipe, which is what caused me to do all that coughing earlier accidentally uh, breathed in some juice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the muscles of your chest wall and diaphragm and the blood vessels and tissue that make breathing and gas exchange possible. We're going to come back to them. They're kind of critical in our discussion here. A little important. But the reason you can decide to take a deeper breath is because your brain controls your breathing rate. To a degree, mm-hmm. right? If you are running, you need more oxygen, so you're going to breathe faster whether or not you choose to. Your brain controls your breathing rate by sensing your body's need for oxygen and its need to get rid of carbon dioxide. So when you breathe in, air is going through your windpipe into your lungs, which are full of alveoli. A smarter person doing an auditory based medium would have googled how to say that before getting on the podcast we might call it ravioli by accident or don't on mind purpose that. or on purpose don't mind that you know but they're what we're saying. yeah they're just little air sacs in your lungs and little, that's where i mean raviolis are filled little air sacs in the sense that she's air, i guess <laughs> well that's why i said they're filled but the ravioli themselves are little air sacs but then you fill them so that's your respiratory system, your trachea, your windpipes, and your diaphragm, which the diaphragm, I didn't realize this, but it's, I, don't, I had an understanding in my head that you breathe in and then your lungs just kind of push the air out through means un- mysterious to me, like, but it's mm-hmm. actually the muscles of your diaphragm push on your lungs. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that pushes and also, the air out. Also, it's not just like the air just comes in and out, like, the air that you're breathing out is not the br- air you, like, immediately We're not in. there yet. You're jumping the gun. Oh. It's oh. a secret. <laughs> oh. Oh, shh. We're getting there. But first we have to talk about the circulatory system, which, you know, is basically blood, which, as we established last right. episode, vampires do probably have blood streams. Yeah. They're just and getting it from the blood that they're drinking. Yeah. They absorb the micro macronutrient blood through the lining of their stomachs and it becomes the bloodstream like mm-hmm. a one-to-one conversion yeah <laughs> this is our working theory so the circulatory system is the heart blood vessels and they're connected to the respiratory system by these little capillaries in the alveoli in the ravioli in the ravioli and this moves nutrients around and also moves oxygen from the lungs to the other parts of your body that need it, which is, you know, a lot of them. No. <laughs> and, you know, also moves out carbon dioxide. Only your bladder needs oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> the 
So, but we do know vampires don't have beating hearts, so they probably don't mm-hmm. have circulatory systems in the way humans do. Or maybe, yeah, maybe they do, like, obviously not the way humans do, but, like, maybe their circulatory system is just, like, completely gravity-based or something. Well, I mean, vampires get strength from blood. So, the otherwise, it would be really stupid, like, you would have a really strong stomach, but your arms are, like, noodles, like... They're a little flimsy. <laughs> Yeah. Or like it all stays in the upper half of your body and your legs are just like not doing anything for you. So mm-hmm. it's got to move around, but they're but they're not moving around. It's oxygen. But before we talk about that, I got to I got to say this because it really frustrated me. Apparently when you breathe in air, when you through your nose or your mouth, it moistens no, and warms no, the air through because your cold ears. Cold, dry air can irritate your lungs. <laughs> we have to moisten and warm the air. <laughs> listen, listen. Our bodies are sensitive little temples. <laughs> okay, but I wanted this on the record because vampires are at or below room temperature. That's true, but like their lungs, their their lungs are not sensitive. They don't That's need true. they don't need um prepared air. <laughs> So I love that vampires are in need, the presence of them and whether or not they are breathing, they are in no way altering the temperature of a room. I thought that was Which incredible. Which is, that's kind of great. Yeah, they're true neutrals in terms of temperature. So my question is, is because vampires are cold just all the time and the way that like temperatures disseminate, so like the way that coldness spreads and the way that heat spreads, if you had like a small but very warm room is there any way that, like, a vampire standing in it could cool the room down? Like an ice cube? I feel like, no, I feel like vampires are just room temperature. How can that be? Because they they don't have any temp- temperature regulating functions, so I feel like they just... I thought they were just always really cold. It's like the way corpses are room temperature. I think they're not, they're not, they seem cold in the same way that a, an 80 degree pool feels cold at first if you jump into it because you're 98 degrees. Oh, so you think they're room temp? That's my, that's my speculation. We can come back to that, I guess. <laughs> I don't have any concrete evidence on that. That's just my instinct. Oh, okay. I mean, it makes sense. I will say in Breaking Dawn, the book. One of the first things Bella notices is that Edward feels warm to her now because she's a vampire. Aww. Which was really tender. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of sweet. That's Mm -hmm. kind of wholesome. She was really putting up with being cold in Washington. I know. She really slept with a man who was cold in the state of Washington and she's from Phoenix. Yeah. (laughs) That was true love. Yeah, that was a choice. That was a choice. So your lungs are connected to your circulatory system via the alveoli, ravioli, air sacs, which Mm -hmm. are full of those little capillaries. And that is how your lungs are connected to your bloodstream. So when you breathe in, you get oxygen, which then replenishes your blood so that the new oxygen can move through your body. And when you breathe out, that is carbon dioxide that has been delivered as a waste product to your alveoli from your bloodstream that has already Mm -hmm. moved through the rest of your body. Mm -hmm. 
So the important thing there is humans breathe to exchange those gases. Like that's the point. <laughs> yeah. You need oxygen. It brings us for, together. It brings us together. You need oxygen for a number of things, but among them is actually It brings us together. But these days, it, you know, it kind of be separating us. <laughs> the politically neutral people who don't breathe. <laughs> So this exchange of gases is the point of breathing, at least for humans or people who breathe, as the politically neutral term is. But I learned by researching for this episode, a big part of the reason you need oxygen in the first place is actually for energy purposes, like in the process of breaking down food. Yeah. Yeah. So this comes to the question which started it all in our last episode. Are vampires carbon sinks? (laughs) (laughs) Well... Obviously, they're breathing in the oxygen. But where are they putting it? They're hogging it. So rude. In order to understand why this is an issue, which plagues me as an environmentalist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we first have to turn to plants. Mm -hmm. So we all know plants produce oxygen. Yeah, funky little creatures. So plants take in carbon dioxide. They are carbon sinks. Yes. And they use that to produce carbohydrates. Carbon dioxide is the carbo in carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah. And so when we eat a strawberry, we are using the carbohydrates mm-hmm. to produce energy. And in order to do that, we have to break down the chemical bonds of those molecules, such as carbohydrates, which happens through the digestion process, which we don't need to go into, but... At some point, the, this process breaks the molecules down small enough that they can pass into the blood. The blood carries the sugars to the cells where the mitochondria. Nobody say it. Nobody say it. Oh, I don't. I've never heard of a mitochondria. What do they do in the cell? They're these little bean shaped boys and they produce energy and they are nothing like homes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's the mitochondria. But they break down the chemical bonds at the end, which releases the energy. Mm-hmm, yeah. But they need oxygen to do that. So oxygen is both critical for regular life purposes of breathing, mm-hmm. but also for breaking down food. Yeah, and producing energy. And it's really clever because we need the oxygen in order to break down the energy that the plants needed carbon dioxide to produce in the first place. It's, it's almost it's so perfect. It's almost like it's a symbiotic relationship. It's almost like it's a symbiotic relationship. It's almost like we need to protect, like, nature. Hmm. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and first and foremost are our environmental enemies, vampires. <laughs> listen, listen. Is it really the vampires that are the problems or the big corporations? It's the vampires. They're hoarding the oxygen. <laughs> So honestly, should we even release this episode? Because you know Fox News is gonna pick this up and be like, <laughs> and be like, I, vampires are actually the root of our climate issues. Well, they would have to admit for, first that we have climate issues, but then they're gonna be like, it's actually not the big corporations' fault; it's the vampires' fault. When you said they're gonna come for us, I 100 percent thought you were gonna say the Volturi. Oh we're, no, we're the humans in Breaking Dawn that are. <laughs> 
for the first time in our history. Humans pose a threat to our kind. <laughs> he was all like, oh, they're gonna come for us for power reasons. No. The environmental <laughs> activist. Greenpeace yeah. is knocking on the Volturi's door. <laughs> <laughs> so, the reason vampires are an environmental concern is because they don't need to break down food. They only have one macronutrient, blood, as we discussed, which is not, mm -hmm. like, broken down in the way that carbohydrates right. need to. So they don't right. need they oxygen. They absorb it. Yeah, they don't need oxygen, so they don't need to breathe. Yeah, and they're, which means they're not exhaling. Yeah, they could just hold it in forever. And then yeah. that's less oxygen for us. But, see, this also makes me wonder if they, like, if they breathe in so much oxygen... And they never breathe it out? Like, will they just balloon? No. I mean, do you balloon when you take a really big breath and then hold it for a yeah. second? I mean, when you inhale, your chest and your belly goes up. Well, I was picturing like a, a Dudley in the Prisoner of Azkaban type ballooning. Oh, I just meant like... Is their diaphragm like out? A little bit, probably. What if they just kept breathing in and in and in, and then their like diaphragm, their lungs, their stomach are just like a meter out, like outside of their body, <laughs> just extended? They're pretty stiff. I don't think their bodies are that flexible. So if they're breathing in the oxygen and they're never letting it go because they're selfish, <laughs> vampires are our biggest environmental concern. They're very selfish, inconsiderate. It's, you know, but. If they're breathing it in, like, I understand that they're probably not super flexible, but, like, you don't think that they would be a little extended from it? No, I already said their diaphragms probably are out further than they would be the same way, like, you or I, you know, get when you take a big breath. I don't think they become doubly. It's just doubly. always like that. Well, actually, no, because as Edward said, when Bella pressed him on the fact that they don't breathe... At some point, it becomes uncomfortable to be without a sense of smell. Mm. Although, before we get to that, I do just want to interject with... Vampires are so much faster than cars. So much faster. And yet, they're still using fossil fuels to drive. They are such a threat to our environment! <laughs> Wait, hold up, hold up! This is actually an issue, because they're eating all of these animals... On. No, the, the animals, animals is fine with me for reasons I already, you know, explained. But they're eating all of these animals, and they're using all this electricity, and they're using all these fossil fuels when they really don't need to. They don't need to do any of that. Honestly, the most sustainable vampires, in my opinion, are the ones living in the oceans. <clears throat> sure, and Tubbs, they're also stealing our oxygen. <laughs> I know, they're taking it all, and what I don't understand is, like, okay, I understand that they, like, when they're around humans, they probably just need to drive in cars, right? And they just go as fast as they can. Well, for what it's worth, they do carpool until Edward gets all like, oh, I'm in love, I have to drive my own car. Which is so dumb. Or when Emmett wants to be tall. <laughs> <laughs> then there are three cars for five vampires. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I just think they could get a Prius. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, anyway. this is upsetting information. Also, like, 
they have why do they need such a luxurious house and then like when bella and edward get married they get a whole other house and like i understand wanting your own little your, your own space but do they really need like so many properties well it's all on one it's on their same land yeah but i'm saying these are multiple sources of energy right i mean multiple I guess energy drains at some point when renesmee is grown I get the only person who needs lights is Jacob. They probably just don't have the lights on the rest of the time. You think? I really do think, yeah. I hope so. I bet Carlisle feels very guilty about the fact that he is an oxygen sink. I think <laughs> Carlisle feels really guilty about it. I think Emmett takes pride in it. <laughs> Emmett is just breathing in as much oxygen as he can. Rosalie's <laughs> just getting to tired. Flex on it. Just of the fact that he can't us. talk because he's like <laughs> <laughs> just to flex on us <laughs> I think he's just <laughs> Edward's just or Edward's just happy there's a little less oxygen in the world he's like <sighs> he's doing it as a power move <laughs> Rosalie's like babe please talk to me he's like <laughs> <laughs> it's his love language <laughs> Rosalie's like, do you like my new perfume? And he's like, can't smell it. Gotta hold it on the socks. <laughs> There's no space for any more. I think Jasper does feel guilty about it, and I think because of that, I mean, he's he's already he already has problems breathing when Bella's around because she just smells so fucking oh, good, and he's so sure young. Not breathing. When Bre- he's I think Jasper. I think Jasper, true, truly, just doesn't breathe like ever. A lot of the time, yeah, no. Poor guy. Be nice not to want to kill you all the time. <laughs> Poor guy. But yeah, Emmett Emma takes pride. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, as Edward says, the only disadvantage of not breathing for vampires is that they, they can't really smell because they're not taking in new air. And in order to understand why that is, can you walk us through how we smell things? Oh, so you have these thing called ears. <laughs> so smell is actually one of like the best um, or smell is one of the easiest senses to understand in terms of like neuroscience. And the reason why is because there aren't as many factors as like uh, in terms of perception as say eyesight or hearing, right? Like you smell things and and you just know that you're smelling them. Whereas eyesight and hearing can get complicated. Oh, like you, you can, can just start miss stuff. things like you're not paying attention. Yeah. 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 But smells, smells are different. So you we have, have to nostrils. look for things. Smells come to you. <laughs> yes. Well, kind of. You are first, you are not just smelling things all the time, which is nice. You yeah. do get used to things. You can adapt to smells. That's very nice. Thank you, body. Thank That's you why you don't know what your own us. house smells like, right? Yeah, and like why you don't know what you you smell like. So in case you uh, are behind on the times, we actually have nostrils. <gasps> yeah, I know. And in our nostrils, we have hairs and mucus, <sighs> which is, you know, kind of nasty, but it's necessary. And these little um, hairs and um, the mucus in our nose, they have little hair-like neuronal receptors called cilia 
And fun fact, you, your ears also have little hairs called cilia as well. Really? Obviously, yeah, obviously you're not smelling through your ears. They have I'm very the- different purposes. Are the cilia like just beside your nose hairs or No, I actually think that well, they're they are very small, but I think a good way of calling it is that they are nestled. Uh. among your nose hairs (laughs) (laughs) i'm very unsettled by that okay Um, let's move on because i can't think about that more deeply or i will implode um but also like at the very top of your nose where like a lot of the mucus is generated that's where a lot of the cilia are as well your nose is just test yeah just think like your nose is just like microscopically fuzzy Ew, don't say that to me. Don't look me in the eyes and say your nose is microscopically fuzzy. (laughs) Okay, but it is. (laughs) This is vampires are pumice stones all over again. (laughs) Listen, sometimes maybe think you are just afraid of hearing the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Not every truth needs to be said. (laughs) Okay, but when you hear it, I think it's good to acknowledge it. So our nose are microscopically fuzzy. Yeah, you got little cilia. And I think well, I don't know what the I don't know what the plural of cilia is. Anyways, I think it's just cilia. We're gonna call it cilia. Anyways. So yeah, you have these little hairs and they have receptors in them so that when odors come through the nose, those neuronal receptors on the cilia is actually what's sending like the signal to your brain. Um, And then your brain will analyze the smell. So if we want to break that down a little more, we have this thing called cyclic AMP. And it is another product of our energy generation. Um, We don't have to go into great depths into like into what cyclic AMP is. Also known as CAMP, also known as camp. It's camp. It's camp. Camp is so camp. Um, (laughs) Just like the guy with the beanie in the water. (laughs) Good callback. Keep the listeners engaged. Thank you, yes. With this one moment in Eclipse that probably nobody else has ever thought about. <laughs> On the contrary, I feel like a lot of people have thought about it. I'm gonna post, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in the description. I'm gonna put the minute in Eclipse when you see the vampire wearing the beanie coming out of the lake. Let me make a note. <laughs> we got camp. You do have camp. So camp. So what triggers the camp generation is um, actually an odorant specific G protein. Again, we don't have to go into specifics on what like things like G proteins are. Um, but yeah, just know that G protein will trigger the cyclic AMP. The, cy- the cyclic AMP will then trigger the gates within our receptors um, to release uh, sodium and calcium. And the, re- the release of sodium and calcium will then depolarize the receptor. Right. And so think about it like this. You have an odorant and it goes to the cilia. Right. And oh, please, for our, for our listeners, she's wiggling her finger <laughs> like it's an odorant. No, it's the cilia. Oh, but this. No, that's even worse. It's scooping up the odorant. Why is the cilia like caressing me? <laughs> no, it's scooping up the odorant. So when the odorant goes up to the cilia. When it, when it politely introduces itself to the cilia, it activates a G protein, which again, we don't have to go into what a G protein is, but it's just, it's a specific protein 
that will activate the transformation of energy into cyclic AMP. Cyclic AMP will then activate the influx of sodium and calcium, Mm -hmm. which depolarizes the neuronal receptor. And that's important to think about because everything within our um, everything in our senses, in our perception, in our brain, and the way we basically function is through electricity. And so (laughs) I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say the mucus. You have to. You have to. We can't be the only ones who know this. (laughs) Which fun fact the mucus in our nose is actually negatively electric. Like it has a negative charge. It, there is electricity in it. Um, and the mucus in our nose is negatively charged. Paige um, finds this fact a little disturbing. But... I find it very disturbing. Okay. So when you talk about depolarizing, mm-hmm. is that so, why yeah. you don't smell something like after a while? Yeah. So the reason why is because, so everything that has um, electricity in order to send a signal has what's called an activation potential, and you have to reach that activ- activation potential in order to send the signal, right? So the, activ- the activation potential is reached when the cell depolarizes. First of all, not every odorant is strong enough to depolarize a cell, but then also eventually your the activation potential is harder to reach because oh. your your senses will adapt. And there are other factors that go into it. Um, this is a little bit of a simplification because there, like I, like I just said, there are other factors that go into the way we adapt to senses. But, um, but yeah, so that's why we get used to smells. And also a reason why we don't smell just everything all the time is because our our neuronal receptors are polarized it acts like a gate right it it can almost not necessarily selectively choose but it keeps a lot of things out for the better yeah most smells are not good smells yeah i would say i would take a gander say 99 percent of smells are not good smells i mean i read somewhere that part of the reason or let me rephrase that I read somewhere that some researchers suspect that the evolution of smell had something to do with finding bad meat. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Bad meat, dead bodies, stuff like that. So, not good smells. Not good smells. Not good smells. So that is a general breakdown of how smells are transmitted into the brain. And from there, the brain will analyze the odorant. We actually have topographical maps within our brain so for instance on our olfactory bulb which is where smells are analyzed or where they are first received in the olfactory bulb we have spatial maps that are categorized topographically so for instance like sweeter smells will go to one section saltier smells will go to a different section i say salty as if (laughs) you know what i mean savory yeah savory (laughs) i caught your drift thank you yeah so Smells are categorized, actually, within the brain, which is kind of cool. It's a little similar to vision and hearing. I I personally like thinking about it just because I like to think, oh, what if we just took away one of the little sections? What would happen? You wouldn't know what flowers smelled like. I know. Isn't that upsetting? I know. Where is rosemary in this? Or like... Mm, That's a good question. Or something else that could be both salty and sweet. Hmm. 
yeah, I'm not sure. So fun fact, our olfactory bulb is actually extremely powerful because smell is one of our biggest methods of survival, right? Like you said earlier, we evolved so we, for instance, wouldn't smell bad meat, something that could potentially kill ourselves, right? Or would smell bad meat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so smell is one of our biggest survival instincts. When you smell smoke, you know, like, oh, there might be a fire nearby, gotta escape. And the reason why it is so powerful in terms of survival is because it's connected to our amygdala and our amygdala is where we store a lot of our survival memories our survival based memories so if we hear a scream that is kind of directly transmitted to the amygdala so we know there's danger nearby when we see i guess maybe or like when we see a predator it's kind of hard for it's kind of hard for us because we are top of the food chain but except for one I'm the world's most dangerous predator. And so that's why smell is such a powerful trigger for a lot of our memories. Why we can immediately connect maybe like the smell of brownies to home and to Christmas or, you know. So that's why memory is connected to smells. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I guess this brings us to vampires are, are pretty good at smelling things. Why are they better at smelling things than regular old humans? So this is just a little theory. It's kind of complicated, as we've discovered most things in this universe are. <laughs> wow, it's it's crazy that when you dig deeper into things, they're actually very complicated and nuanced. Who'd have thunk? So what's interesting is that we can actually, as humans, we can actually smell a lot, even though we only have about 300 or so genes that encode for smell. To put into the context, there are animals that have thousands of genes that can encode for smell, right? And so what if, now this is just a little theory. Obviously, we are named Fang Theory, so these are all little theories. This is just my silly, goofy little theory. Just a little guy. But maybe vampires just have more olfactory-related genes so they can encode for more sense. And maybe their receptors are more easily depolarized so that they are just smelling more all the time. That's an interesting theory. I mean, I'm wondering, like, how a creature... I mean, this is a fantasy show. There is a lot... Or movie, books, what have you. Franchise. But I do wonder how a creature could get more genes all of a sudden. I know. and it's a venom. Yeah, for a future episode, we will probably eventually tackle that vampires have more chromosomes than a human. Oh, man. Stephanie Meyer really just, like, threw some little biology nuggets in the book. She was just like, ha ha ha, vampires have more chromosomes, ha ha ha. No explanation. Now and we're, she thought we're this out here in the trenches. No, she thought that would have no repercussions. And yet here we are. Yes, we, we are coming for Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> We are the the humans Aro was talking about. We are what <laughs> Stephanie Meyer most feared. So yeah, it could just be that they have more genes to encode for more smells and more specific smells and perhaps their senses are just depolarized more often. Okay. Can I offer a complimentary theory? You sure can. And it comes from my alma mater, so it's home to my heart. Go Bears. UCB, you can both. You can both. 
did a study where they, I shit you not, got a bunch of students, mostly grad students, blindfolded and put like earmuffs over their ears and made them crawl on their knees. And they put a bunch of, I think it was chocolate in the field. I could like picture where this was happening on campus too. I don't know if it's actually where it was happening, but in my mind's eye, I just imagined grad schools, grad students in knee pads crawling by like behind the, the Phoebe Hearst Museum of Anthropology for any bears out there listening. Olivia. For Olivia. Anyway. And okay, say, so basically at first people were not that good at, at following the chocolate trail, but they made them do it for like a couple of days, like over the course oh my of God. weeks. <laughs> and apparently these grad students got better at following scent trails on their hands and knees. So mm-hmm. the theory is basically that humans are not inherently better at smelling things. We just have pretty good other senses. So we don't have to smell things. Yeah, that's also very true. Yeah, but vampires who hunt for their food in, like, a more similar way to, like, wolves maybe have better sense of smells because they use them, at least in small part. Yeah, that that's also probably a, a big factor of it. What's interesting is that that's normally a thing that is evolved. We can't. We cannot bring evolution up with, in conjunction with vampires because it gets too crazy. Because yeah, they didn't but... evolve. <laughs> so two different theories, complementary theories. They're not different. They're they work together maybe about why vampires are better at smell. Which they're girlfriends. They're girlfriends. Which was a little treat. It wasn't that connected to breathing, but it was pretty connected because was... they have to breathe in to smell. There you go. It was Edward connected them. They're not connected by biology really, but. Edward connected them, and we take his word over biologists any day. <laughs> oh yeah, Edward is <laughs> the alpha biologist. Oh my god, as if he could outrun his studies, <laughs> as if you could fight off his peer reviews. <laughs> if if Edward wanted to be, he would be a great academic, just because he has so much worldly knowledge. I mean, this is objectively true he probably could have many 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 advanced degrees by now if he wasn't always in 10th grade so i guess in conclusion vampires are oxygen sinks they are the most pressing environmental concern of our day and uh we'll be having a rally downtown at noon tomorrow and we're gonna go protest vampires yeah a rally with no specific location just downtown i said downtown yeah just you know downtown Somewhere. Yeah. A downtown. Maybe we should all go to Volterra. <laughs> <laughs> See, none of this would happen if vampires just, like, decided to live in the water. My question is, if the world ends because of, like, climate change, will vampires... Do you think vampires would be able to survive that? Um, Vampires are sort of, like, the first world in that, yes, they'll probably survive, but... They, it will be much harder for them to find food, and so they'll be progressively weaker. And then when the next extinction rolls around, they probably won't survive that one. Hmm. Although, it t- you know what? I bet the problem won't even be vampires being killed by the actual disasters of nature. They'll probably just petrify. Or they'll kill each other. Yeah. Because there's so little food. Yeah. That's fun to think about. Here's the thing. The truth is, though, is they would definitely be offsetting their footprint a lot more if they were just eating humans. 
Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't know. It's true though. This has been Fang Theory. <laughs> Join us next time. Or we'll be discussing why vampires should be allowed to murder people. (laughs) So I'm Paige. And I'm Hannah. And we will see you in two weeks. Adios. I'm sorry, it's going to be so hard not to make Supernatural references. I'm really resisting the urge. It's fine. I'm fine. I like that your brain immediately went to Supernatural when my brain immediately went to Wizards of Waverly Place. Stop that! (laughs) Daddy? Sorry. Daddy? Sorry. Daddy? Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, Daddy? Sorry. (laughs) That is not at all what is happening when you make reference.